Welcome to Revival from the Bible, a daily devotional podcast designed to help more people get into God's Word and get more out of the Word. I'm Cody Davidson, filling in for Ben Blakey. It's Tuesday, August 24th, 2021. The headlines the last few weeks have seemed like stanzas from Billy Joel's We Didn't Start the Fire, or perhaps R.E.M.'s It's the End of the World as We Know It. International news, domestic news, it all seems to point towards the chaos of this world, an increase in depravity, and evil being triumphant. Well can we say with Job from our reading today, the tents of robbers are at peace, and those who provoke God are secure, who bring their God in their hands. Or perhaps we say with Paul from our reading today in 2 Thessalonians 2, 7, the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Let us turn first to this passage from 2 Thessalonians 2 to find encouragement in what Paul wrote. It seems that some of the Thessalonians were afraid that they had somehow missed the day of Christ, afraid that Jesus had come back and they had not been gathered to him. Paul proceeds to comfort them, pointing to things that must occur before Jesus returns, before the day of Christ comes. Two thousand years later, and we are still waiting on the day of Christ's return. But we still see lawlessness on display. We see many believing what is false and so being condemned. And it certainly feels as though things are getting worse. How are we to respond to the seemingly apocalyptic headlines of our day? How do we keep from being paralyzed by fear of what is going on and what is ahead? Well, we follow the example commended to us by Paul here at the end of chapter 2 of 2 Thessalonians. 1. We hold fast to the hope of the gospel. Christian, you have been saved by God. You have been chosen by God. God has called you, believer, for the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. Whatever may be the state of our world around us, our hope in Christ is secure. We will not be abandoned. We will not be forsaken. We will not be left behind by him. 2. Stand firm in the word and in the testimony of faithful saints who have gone before us. Paul exhorts the Thessalonians to stand firm and hold to the traditions that they were taught by Paul either by his spoken word or by his letter. His letter that we now have as scripture, 1 Thessalonians and this one, 2 Thessalonians. Stand firm in the word. Let us keep digging into it, finding life in it. And let us also look to the lives of saints who have gone before us to see their example in the face of suffering. One person's life whom I commend to you is that of Jan Hus, a Czech theologian who gave his life for the faith, profoundly affecting and influencing Martin Luther, who came 100 years after Jan's martyrdom. Hus's faithfulness planted the seeds of the Reformation. Or think even of friends and family who you have seen go through difficult times, faithfully trusting in the Lord. And let us also encourage each other to be faithful in this time. Let us who are here build each other up in the midst of this world. But of incredible importance in this confidence in the midst of this lawless world is being certain that we are in Christ, that we are saved. The hope of 2 Thessalonians 2 is the hope that is in the gospel for those that are believers. Jesus' words in Luke 13, 22-35 call us to be very circumspect about our own lives, about whether we are truly his followers. 
In response to a question about whether those who would be saved would be few, Jesus exhorts his hearers and us who are reading his words 2,000 years on to be sure to enter by the narrow gate. Many will try and enter, but they do so by some other gate, except there is no other gate. Jesus' heroes, hearers, some of them were likely to be tempted to trust in their heritage, that they were born in the line of Abraham, of the people of Israel, and therefore good to go with God. Yet they did not trust in him. They did not receive his Messiah, Jesus, who was sent to them as their savior. That may not be your temptation. But have you grown up in the church with parents who grew up in the church here in America, a nation with a lot of Christianity and its cultural heritage? Are you trusting in that for your salvation rather than Christ? Those are fine things. I am personally grateful for the influence of the believers in my own family, in my own life. But they're not my hope. They're not our hope. They will not hold us fast on the last day of our life, on that day of Christ. Given what you've heard and learned, do not miss out on that last day, but be sure that you have entered by the narrow gate. Be sure that your faith, trust, and hope is only in Christ. Have you, not your parents, your friends, etc., but you placed your faith in Christ, repenting of your sins? If you haven't, then please do so now. Only Jesus can save. The gate is narrow. It is Christ. There is no other gate that leads to life, for there is no other name given under heaven by which we must be saved. Respond to the gospel. Respond in repentance and faith and know that you will be saved. You will be among those people coming from every direction to enter the kingdom. Let us now turn our attention to our reading from Job twelve fifteen today. And I want to look at his response in chapters 12 through 14. As I quoted at the start, Job refutes his friends by pointing out that at times the wicked do flourish in this life. Sometimes it is the robbers who seem most at ease, most at comfortable, in the world. And Job asserts and holds to, clings to the fact that God is still sovereign in this. God is still on his throne, even as it seems to be that the wicked are thriving or the righteous are suffering. Job knows that God is sovereign, that with him are strength and sound wisdom. Deceivers and those whom they are leading astray are both in his hands, and he raises up and tears down nations. Job trusts in God, though he slay me. Though God would call Job home, he would still hope in God. And yet it seems that Job does not necessarily grasp the right response to the sovereignty of God that he rightly affirms. God's sovereignty rightly means that we should hope in him, even if he should, really, even when he does call us home from this life. But Job desires to try God, to put him on the stand and demand that he explain himself. Job wants to argue his case before God. Job wants to argue that God is unjust in his actions, inflicting punishment on Job that exceeds any of his sins. A spoiler alert, Job kind of gets his wish later on, but the cross-examination of God leaves Job silent and humble before the Lord. We should rightly worship God as sovereign over all, birds, beasts, nations, galaxies. But let that teach us humble submission, and let us respond in worship. 
let us respond like Job did earlier in the book. He gives and takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. God is good and worthy of our trust, both in our good times and our bad. Let us, God, let us trust God in his sovereignty over our circumstances. The truth of the matter is that we may never comprehend why God permits certain terrible things in our lives. Job certainly never understood on this side of eternity what was going on. Let us look instead to God's character, not merely his sovereignty in the midst of our suffering. Let us look to where Job could not. Let us look to the cross of Christ, where the perfect, spotless Son of God was killed by men whom he created and sustained by those whom he came to save. Let us see in Jesus, see in the cross, the ultimate answer to the problem of evil and the ultimate vindication of who God is. In the midst of trying circumstances, look to Christ and hope in him. And finally, as we look to our passage from Psalm 102 today, let each of us who is suffering, who feels afflicted like Job, let us learn to pray like the psalmist does here. This is a prayer of one afflicted when he is faint and pours out his complaint before God. Here we see desperation to come before the Lord, just as Job is desperate to do. The psalmist is confident to plead his case to God, confident to bear his soul before the Lord. And this is right and good. If you are in a season of affliction, if you are going through trials and hardships, if you can say with the psalmist today, my heart is struck down like grass and has withered, then please use this psalm as a template and invitation for prayer. But also, keep reading. Maybe look ahead at tomorrow's reading. The psalm does continue on past verse 11, and there is hope to be found yet, and that hope comes from the Lord. Whether it is the news from across the globe that has you rattled, or it's the circumstances within your very home that have left you faint, cry out to the Lord, and he will incline his ear to you. Thanks for digging into God's Word with me today on Revival from the Bible. Ben Blakey will be back tomorrow. For more resources, check out RevivalFromTheBible.com. To learn more about Compass Bible Church Treasure Valley, go to CompassBible.tv. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you.